This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by the Institute for the Preservation of Motion Picture Costumes and Wardrobe, IPMPCW. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 63. Our guest today is Don McManus. Don played Duncan Meyer in the classic season six episode of Seinfeld, The Race. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This podcast is Making Me Thirsty, episode 63, Don McManus. Enjoy. Welcome to this podcast, Making Me Thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 63. Our guest today is a graduate of Yale University and a uh, veteran actor. You've known him from 100 different productions, including Sorry for Your Loss, Mom, Vice, Justified. And of course, as Jerry's high school nemesis, Duncan Meyer in the classic season six Seinfeld episode of The Race. Please welcome Don McManus. Don, thanks for joining. Hey guys, nice to be here. <laughs> it starts with uh, Don McManus. Welcome <laughs> to this podcast. Make me thirsty. It's uh, it's truly an honor. Um, so Don, take us back. I mean, you just we just mentioned this off air. It was twenty seven years ago, December of ninety four. Huge year for you, by the way. Shawshank Redemption, Seinfeld. How how the role of Duncan Meyer come about? Was there an audition? Tell us a little bit about the process. There was an audition. Has, have people talked about what Seinfeld auditions were like back in the day? Yeah, we've heard a few, but we love all a little too. different. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I auditioned for the show. I don't know, like four times, maybe in, in ballpark there. And uh, what you did was you 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 went to went to uh, this building. I think it was on or adjacent to the uh, CBS Radford lot in the Valley. And there'd be like four of you there and you'd go and, and they'd line you up in the hallway. And then the producers and director were, were inside, writers. And one by one, you'd go in and uh, and then you'd come back out and you'd sit with these other people and you'd wait with, with them, you know? Well, and then when everyone was done, someone would come out and say, and point to one of you, one of us, and say, they need to see you in wardrobe. Everyone else, thank you very much. And it was like, oh, Oh no. Wow. And so I I'd been through that like three times of like the see ya. And it was and so I'm sitting there in the I remember sitting there in the hallway going, going, oh, I don't want to go home again. I don't want to go home again. And they came out, they're like, go, go to wardrobe. I was like, and then I turned around and I saw on everyone else's face the look that I knew I'd had on my face the last three times, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But it was it, it, so it was uh, it, it was it was a known phenomenon, but um, I was pleased first of all that it was one of the episodes that had Larry David in as Steinbrenner, which yes. is like you know that was that was a real pleasure. Um, I have to say it was kind of a big year for me. But shortly after we, maybe a year after we did this episode. My wife and I went on a uh, cruise, the one and only cruise we've ever been on, up through the uh, the Interior Passage in Alaska. 
and we're in uh, you know, going through the buffet lines and all the rest of it. And she and I kept hearing people calling out, "Hey, Duncan! Hey, Duncan! <laughs> who the? Who the I, I, they, they think I'm someone else?" And finally, they were like, "You're Duncan Meyer!" And I was like, "Oh, oh, that's!" And the penny, penny finally dropped. But it was, yeah, um, which was uh, I had a couple of episodes like that around the same time you you uh you mentioned uh Shawshank Redemption for several years after that came out and I and again I didn't pick it up at all people used to walk up to me and go I gotta pitch a loaf mm-hmm. I'd be like why are you sharing this with me why are you why are you saying that and and of course it was one of my lines to, to Tim in, in the movie um yeah, those were those were really those were really funny times, and I was a kid too. You know. Yeah. So so what you so you when when they give you Duncan Meyer, what how did you? I mean, you play it so so well. I mean, Jerry, you know, Newman's Jerry's nemesis, right, throughout the whole series, yeah, but right. no one really captured the, the, you know, they play the whole Superman thing off of it, and uh, right. you know, you're. You hold all the power over him with the girlfriend. You know, you're the boss of, of his girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm just curious. You know, we mentioned the audition, but, you know, when you actually got the role, where, where did you go with it in your head as far as, like, you know, I, I, I you know, were, were, did you hate Jerry? Were you just so mad that you were faster? Like, like, how did you wrap your head around this? Like, you guys are grown men, but you're going to re-race something from high school, you know, 20 years later. I mean, it's such a great premise. I... I, I <laughs> I was reminded uh, watching it this this time how strongly rhythmic the the nature of their comedy is. You know, I mean, it was real. It's really language based, and 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 from the uh, my path in was really in the first moment because I. I was old enough to, to know what it was like to run into someone from high school. You know? Right. And there's that moment that's where it's like, Jerry Seinfeld. Duncan <laughs> that, that horrible thing of like, oh, yeah, you son of a bitch. I remember you, you know. And like, and, and we both managed to put that into just those two words. Yes. And, I mean, and, you know, and there it was. That's, we're off to the races already. Right, and, I have to and then say, yeah, and then you make her stay late that one day. Ah, you know what? I'm gonna have you stay a little later. You know, yeah, just rub yeah, it a little exactly, bit. exactly. And I have to, I have to say, I just remember I was talking to my wife. I was saying I was about to do this for you guys, and at the end of the episode, and and Jerry's a, a really nice man, so maybe he did this with everyone, um, but. At the end of the episode, he thanked me. He said, "You know, you really, you really came and played with us, and uh, not everyone does that." Thank you very much. And I, I was that just was a lovely thing for him to do. Made me feel really good about what we'd done and uh, and what I'd done, and, and that they'd appreciated it. I just thought that was very decent of him. Nice, yeah, nice. Great. That is great to hear, actually. Yeah. And I got to say. You know, you mentioned you auditioned multiple times before this, but I tell you, Duncan Meyer is, when you think of guest stars, like, I don't know, Duncan Meyer is top five. I mean, 
So what? I guess oh, my question yeah. is, thank you. Man. What was it? It had to be worth it, right? Like all that rejection and to have this part and just play it to such a T. Hundred percent. I. Uh, I mean, I. You know, this. First of all, the story about the audition is is, is not to slide or diss Seinfeld at all. It's just the nature of the audition process in general is can be a little grueling, right? You know. Um, but yes, as you say. Absolutely worth it. So, did you? I mean, I know it was like t over twenty years ago. I'm not sure if you remember the other, like what you were auditioning for, and the other ones. But was it earlier seasons? Was it like because um, you, you know, yes, it, it was, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I think maybe one earlier in that season, but certainly in previous seasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which so you're nice, in seasons, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it meant what it meant was that they were trying to find a place for me. Right, and that's, I think they found the right one with Duncan. So, yeah. so let's get to let's get to the scene. You know, we, right before you, you know we started really diving in, you had talked about. It. I mean, we rank it up there with one of the greatest scenes in in Seinfeld history, which puts it at one of the greatest scenes in TV history. When you know George comes in and pretends that you know, and they have the whole thing. I built the Guggenheim edition, and he does the the the, the Duncan. And I mean, yes. that scene. I mean, you had how do you keep a straight face during that scene? I mean, how how much of that? You know, the, the, the Duncan lean in, like, was that done right away? Was that played with? I mean, you got to oh, take yeah. a whole scene. Oh, I mean, oh, it's incredible. Incredibly inventive actor, you know. I mean, he, I <clears throat> uh, him from back in New York, he was like, he, he was like doing musical stuff. And uh, he's, he's got a really deep uh, skill set, you know. He's, uh, he's, he's a talented, talented guy. and. But you, until you watch some of these old episodes, you, you forget what a wonderfully physical actor he is. You know, and he, and so yeah. those, like that, he, he embellished everything constantly. Which, I mean, it, it wasn't that he was so much that he was commenting on what he was doing because he was always commenting. So that was the nature of his character, you know? Um, boy, he was. I just, and again, I, I mentioned before we started this, but Jason doing his little his little imp dance on his on his toes, his tiptoes at the end of the table, just kills me every time I see it because he's in addition to being ridiculous, he's adorable. You're just, you know, that's his secret weapon. Jason's secret weapon is that he's adorable. What uh, I, I never I watched it again today. I'm like, what was Jun Duncan and Lois's job? Do we even know? No, that ever I, I don't really I'm know not, you, right? I don't, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, sure they didn't know either. You know, well, it, yeah. In, in keeping with the the idea of this is a show about nothing, it's like I, right. The job was about nothing. So yeah, yeah, and I that episode was packed, right? I mean, you had Renee Props as Lois. She was fantastic. I mean, your chemistry with her as a boss was just spot on. Vicky Lewis, you had Ted Kimsey as Ned. I mean, it was, it was really, uh, Mickey's, Mickey's in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey's in that episode. But, but Vicky Lewis was like there for a heartbeat and, and gone. And I was like, that's all Vicky's got? That, that can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah so tell us a little bit are we so you were on this i guess this was a week uh filming you're on set the whole time i mean tell us a little bit about i know you mentioned larry david who's great uh, that he did the sign brother stuff but he also wrote this along with um tom gamble and max Prost. so how how involved 
we hear a lot about Larry David. He's heavily involved. Was it everything that you expected as far as him uh-huh. being part of the show? Well, I mean, he was he was very heavily involved, but he wouldn't be dealing with a guest star at all. He was he was dealing with the writers and, and with Jerry. Um, but I just I I, I love the way he crafted the Steinbrenner uh, character because it's almost a precursor to curb your enthusiasm. He's just he, he he doesn't know when to stop talking. He just and I mean, it's like that's the running gag of. of uh, George trying to back his way out of every conversation he's ever had with uh, with with George at Steinbrenner. So uh, one of my favorite things that happened in the episode, because obviously I was a fan of the show, you know, when by the time I was on it, um, Michael Richards' like stutter step uh, entries, you know, entrances in, into all the scenes, you know, right. which I. I sort of thought, okay, that's like a that's like a physical thing he's got. I, while we were rehearsing, I'd see out of the corner of my eye like this frantic movement on the the, the corner of the soundstage, and I I look over and Michael would be like in a in a corner of a soundstage like so and and like practicing this the the entrance like getting the moves down. Wow. And I thought, because to me, they were interchangeable. You know, right. those they, that was like a Kramer entrance. Not the case to him. To him, every one of those clearly was separately crafted. Wow. Yeah, and, and you're not the first to tell us that. We heard that a couple other people had said they'd seen him practicing that move. It's interesting. Yeah. And it was... I, and I was this like, is six seasons in, he's still practicing that move. Six seasons, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, anyone else would have just been like, yeah, I, I, they'll do one of those, you know. But no, it was it was important to him, and he. Uh, I, I, frankly, I was really impressed by that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's incredible dedication. the 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 essence of the show to us is, uh, you know, it's two grown men, George and Jerry, who just never really grow up. Right? They're immature. They're right. not men. You know, a lot right. of lines are are about that uh, that theme, and the race when you guys are about to race and mr bevilacqua gives you the instructions and you both are like yes mr bevilacqua like you're still kids in school would you both deliver those lines it just it's like captures the whole show you're just like yes mr bevilacqua like listening to him like you're still like one of my kids in one school. Of my favorite, it's absolutely one of my favorite moments in in, in the uh, in the episode and it pays off or pay off even more for me because sometime after that years after that uh, my wife and I took a trip to Venice and we're in St. Mark's Square and there's a there's a big store, there's a big sign, Bevel Aqua. And I was like, I had never heard it any, I'd never seen it or heard it anywhere else. <laughs> Mr. Bevel Aqua was Jerry's real gym teacher at Massapequa High School. That's the story I, 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 I got. That. That's the story I got because my Eric, father-in-law is from Massapequa and he's he swears by it that uh, Mr. Bevel Aqua was I, I, a real I, gym teacher. I don't know if that came I, up on set at all. I don't know if they said that, but no, but uh, but but clearly also derived from Venetian stock. Yeah, I so, mean that's amazing to see that there. Uh, while you're in Italy, awesome. that's incredible. That's huge. Yeah. Like so that yeah. So that that scene, the running scene, and it was all set up from like I remember. I could picture you clearly in the diner saying, "You beat me then, and you can't beat me now." Just. <laughs> Delivered incredibly. So then we fast forward to the actual race. 
So I always wanted this, like the whole production of it. Like, were you guys actually running full speed? Like, I know they, they dubbed in the music after, but I'm just curious, like how the whole race went about. It's just, and Jerry's face is just ridiculous. And I have to say several things about this. First yeah. of all, like we didn't really talk about how to do it, you know. We just like we're, we're lined up next to each other, and uh, and I and I see Jerry starting to do some stretches. I'm like, oh, stretches, that's good. Um, so yeah, I'll do, I'll do some of those. Uh, side note, I, I am the least flexible person on the planet. This is like this. This might as well be made out of steel cable. It's just like it doesn't stretch. It does not stretch. And so I look over at Jerry. You don't. It's they don't use it in this take. I think Jerry backed off this. So that it didn't look ridiculous. But he, well, I assume he still is, he was like a yoga guy, right? And so when he bent over to stretch, he he folded himself in half and put his head between his ankles. Like grown men shouldn't be able to do that. That was <laughs> that's nuts. And 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 then I, I hmm. I'm gonna have to say this in a in a PG way. He's really fast. He's Jerry's oh, really? a fast bastard. Oh my god! It was like I I was absolutely. I mean, obviously he did get a head start, right. but I gave it everything I had to catch up with him, and didn't have a prayer. He just beat the pants off me. It was and did it every take. Oh my god. And I was, and I, I did think I want to. I just, just, I just want to beat him once. No, no. <laughs> method. That's method right there too. Was that about 20, 20 yards, Don? Like, what was the actual distance? I, was, I think. Well, it looks shorter than it is because because they're shooting at us, so it's foreshortened, right? It was about fifty yards. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of the first. You know, they rarely did something like that. That whole Superman theme and kind of adding music. That it's kind of never been done before in those first five years so I, listen i enjoyed it um you know seasons we always debate kind of seasons on seinfeld but for my money that that episode in season six you know ranks up with with any of them throughout the series for sure well, yeah, yeah for it, sure it brings, it brings so many of their their themes together you know uh, george's uh, architecture fantasy right yeah. right um, this Steinbrenner in it, this the Superman thing. Um, it's it's a very well, you know, their their whole thing is you know tie all four stories together, and that one it works so well. There's no like you mentioned before about the rhythm of it. Even the episode itself, the rhythm of it, everything flows perfectly. Like you know, Kramer's stuff ties into George's stuff with the communism, ties into Lane's stuff with the communism, and at the end, you know, the car backfires, driving George and, to. And and the, um, the the deep reliance on physical comedy, but in a very Seinfeld way, in a very casual way. Uh, uh, George picking up the, the the phone, the old corded phone, you know, and throwing it, and throwing it to him. Oh and, yeah, that's right. That's a great. Uh, and very catching it and doing beautiful take. It was that was beautiful physical comedy, or like the just. Uh, uh, Julia and, and Jason uh, clinking glasses and and him uh, managing to uh, to like knock her drink all over her face just for for no reason really except <laughs> that it's ridiculous and we got like 
that much more of a laugh out of it. They, right. And and the 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 brilliant Julia, holy cow, what a physical actress. Um, she found that uh, trip um, it, at the end of the race where he runs to Lois and like knocks her out of the way. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she found that in the moment because that wasn't in there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they were like, we're we're working it, and then he's like, run, and she was like, oh, you know what? And then she uh, she, she and then Jerry was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can help you with that. Yeah, and so then he like. So, but they discovered it very organically as in, on the day. Um, so, right we, yeah, we that's find, a great, we find that's that a great tidbit, Don. Thank you for that. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't realize that. We, we find that a lot. There's like ad libbing. I guess, was there anything that, ha like, we've talked to a lot of guests, some deleted scenes got cut. Was there anything that you did you wish got put in the episode, or was everything pretty much scripted? No, everything, everything was there. In fact, in, in fact, they, uh, I didn't realize this until I rewatched today. They did me a big favor, you know. It's uh, it's Orson Welles said this about one of his his movies, uh, the third man. I don't know. So by the time I've entered, they've talked about my character so much that I'm already present to them, and that was absolutely the case with this. Right. Yeah. That's true. They, that's talked, point. they talked about Duncan off stage a bunch, so. That the writers did a whole lot of work for me, you know. Um, this sort of resentment and a guy who's never going to let something go, and I didn't have to play any of that. That's you know, true, but you what, um, played it so well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what? it made it really easy for me because all I had to do was like, I mean, I, I think, <clears throat> I think what I found for Duncan, uh, the signature move was was this. It's like this pointing thing. It's like, you know, <laughs> like this, you know, and, which, which worked uh, both like in the first scene and then in you can't, you couldn't beat me, then you can't, you know. Yeah, that's right, right. Idea. right. I didn't realize until I watched it, didn't realize it. I do it throughout the episode. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. And you you finished it with uh, Mr. Bellavaca. Yeah. Like, what, what do you got? Are you, I know it's, you know, it's muted, but like, were you actually saying something to him there? Oh, absolutely. I was saying, it to him. he cheated again. What's wrong with you? How did you like? <laughs> do you know? I was always curious about this. Do you know they're gonna when they when they do the editing and they actually air, they're gonna slow mo that scene and all that stuff? Or you you're playing it as if you have no. It doesn't matter to you, right? You're acting it out, and then whatever they do with it, um, it looks it looks fun, especially with the knock and a laying down. Looks great in slow motion. I mean, the face Jerry makes you yelling at him. It's all oh, it's such a classic um, scene. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what's, you know what's interesting too, Don, is this this is a Christmas episode. Now, right. typical sitcom Christmas episodes are like, you know, it's Christmas. This was like a side note, you know, to the whole thing. And we we actually did a thing this year on Christmas. We ranked all the Christmas episodes because everyone loves yeah. Festivus. And we're actually kind of not fans of Festivus. You know, we put this up there. The Red Dot from season two is up there or season three. Um, but, um, you know, this is a Christmas episode. Like, it's a big episode. As far as like that time of year, you know, the sitcom usually try and go hard. And it's like the race is the most important thing, you know, and, and it's like it's I love that. Well, aspect. The race, well, the race and 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 the and creeping communism, yeah, which is exactly. 
really not so anti-Christmas that it's like what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just I love the fact that they and and they even tied that into our storyline because uh, they had Lois saying he can, of course he can fire me. He controls the means of production. Yes, they slipped that. That's a great. Wow. That was great. Wow. Uh, reduction. That's awesome. Yeah. I choose not to race. Um, just exactly. the, the scenes are just nonstop. I mean, and back to the Jordan scene with you and him talking about losing his virginity that day. I mean, and your face was just, uh, I was just classic in what a high school, like if you haven't seen someone in 20 years, you heard something like that. Like it's just, you played that high school friend, high school nemesis, just, Perfect. I'd say, yeah, we think about Newman as a nemesis, but you're probably the number one. Like, we were a little intimidated before coming on with you, to be quite frank, Don. Yeah, we talked about it. We were always blown away because you, I guess, I mean, that, that speaks to your, your acting, obviously, but you're so good <laughs> at, like, I don't know, like, oh, man, he's going to have an edge to him. What are we going to do? And, uh, well, I, I have to say, I, there, um, there's, there's only been uh, one job on television that, uh, that, that, that I got and then went away. And it was, I was supposed to play um, a really bad guy who at first presents com uh, completely innocuous. And, uh, and, and I did the table read and, and uh, they said, you know what? I don't think this one, I don't, I don't think you're gonna be, we're gonna be doing this one. And the, re the reason they gave me was, and they, they spoke in the third person. So Don McManus is many things. Edge free is not one of them. Mm. And <laughs> I was like, I'll take it. Uh, you know what? Honestly, on balance, I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, yeah. I tend to bring that. So Don, you mentioned uh you love the Steinbrenner piece. I'm just curious, you're a Yale grad, I think 1981. There's just a lot of crossover with the Mets. Uh, did Ron Darling any run-ins with him? Were you guys buddies? No, 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 no. Did not know. No, do not know Ron Darling. But uh, <laughs> doing, doing your uh, doing your homework there. Dude. Well, we had to ask. Yeah, he died. He, we're he to Keith the on, so we're looking for any connection. <laughs> yeah, um, I just I just love the the shape of the Steinbrenner scenes. And I, and I love that they copied that shape for the Castro scene. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, yeah, good time. I mean, wow. Was, I, we asked, I think I forgot who we asked, but I was curious, was Larry like on set doing uh, Steinbrenner's voice while the scenes on, yeah? yeah. That's kind of yeah. cool, I think, that he's there, you know, yeah. doing that, not like a dubbing it in later. He's actually there yeah. talking. Well, I think they probably tuned it up later, you know. Okay. But, but they, but he had to give uh, the actor, you know, uh, some of the rhythms of what he was saying, right. so that he could he could give them that shot from behind. As far as the producing aspect, though, you're saying Larry wasn't. You didn't find him to be too involved in, you know, no, no, no. Heard, no, no, no notes with you, no, like you know, giving you any type of that sort no, of thing was more. And, no, and, and that would have been, uh, and, and that, that's the right way to handle it. That it would have been, uh, it, it, 
it would, it would have, he would have been stepping in front of Andy Ackerman. Sure, but we've he, heard we've heard from others, you know, other people that he he kind of he obviously runs the show. He's a showrunner, but he lets the director direct. He lets the actors. He's not really on set doing yeah. his, yeah, getting yeah. his hands in dirty. And, um, and, and yet, obviously, he could if he wanted to. Right, you know? right, right. But uh, you know, yeah, it sounds yeah. like he he picks and chooses, and he, if there's a trust involved, obviously you tried out quite a few times, and it, they knew you were right for this role. So I'm guessing they trusted you with with kind of the approach. And also, this this wasn't a, this wasn't a live show, right? So that's a very different thing. Often, um, when you're doing a live sitcom and you get to tape night, and uh, and and the showrunner has has a uh, has has a brainstorm about how to fix a line or something then either they'll send someone over to you or sometimes he'll just walk over or she'll just walk over and say okay do do this you know say it say it this way and sometimes they'll want to say it in person because they they want to give you a sense of what they're looking for in the line right but if without an audience you know that's that pressure that, that that engagement doesn't have to happen but you were don you were a fan of the show right i know you tried out a few times but you were actually a fan of the show right prior like any like favorite episodes top of mind or um well i mean see i don't know about you guys but i, I think less in terms of <laughs> episodes than i think in terms of of, of characters and situations right you know? right right like uh you know uh newman um is he's just he's a hilarious guy we used to we did a uh a play together wayne and i did a play together at the public theater in new york uh probably uh late 80s one of the guys you know and i hadn't seen i i didn't see wayne for for a long long time and he just obviously killed it in this show he and just found a character and and just tore it up uh so i so i think of wayne i think of the soup nazi um i don't know it's been a while it's yeah because that uh, so you were on Seinfeld I mean, late 94 yeah. shawshank was filmed prior to the Seinfeld, obviously right that's correct i mean what a year i mean so was it tough walking down the street that year from obviously the box office to then the number one show on television? It must've just been an incredible time for you. I'm, I'm a character actor. It's uh, people generally, it's more now I'm more recognized, but just because I've done a lot of stuff and the accumulation of stuff. Right. Some people says, but um, back in the day I was more likely to get, Oh, did I, did I go to school with you? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar, but they could, but they were like, I can't really place it, you know. Um, so no, if you're if you're a character actor, you're you're in people's consciousness, but they they're not really sure why. Yeah, I think. Well, I think Seinfeld's a little different in that sense. We've talked to so many uh, guest stars because just because of how unselfish the main cast of Seinfeld was to let guest stars shine. And you really, you kind of took that to a new level as, as a nemesis. But I think in the Seinfeld cultish world, like, yeah, you are, 
Oh, that's I would, I would sure. have, I have no idea about that, but, uh, but that's, that's really nice. I like that because. <laughs> yeah, it's coming to Netflix soon. So I think there's going to be a whole new generation that are going to latch onto it and it's going to start back it's up again. So, Hopefully if these people know, you know, I'm afraid these, we talked to some guest stars with young, with like 20 year old children who aren't into Seinfeld yet. And we're like, oh man, you gotta, you gotta get them in there, but we'll see. Well, but this that's interesting because um, that's a that's a double-edged story a lot because things are less allowed to be a part of their time than they used to be. I Good thought I, that was fascinating when Friends started uh, rerunning, and this the, the this this current generation started to look at what we did, what was done then through the eyes and the values of this generation and going, nope, not having it. And, and yeah. when I was watching this episode, um, watching the, the, uh, the guy that owns the Chinese restaurant, yeah, he would never get away with that portrayal today. You know, even though he's Asian, like the, uh, the, the, sort of ESL, you know, not really being able to speak English right, thing, right, right, really right. wouldn't fly, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering how many of those things, how many artifacts yes. there are in Seinfeld that just will jump out like sore thumbs when this new generation watches it? Yeah, I, yeah I'd say there's, there's probably plenty of that, but... The Funny's core, funny. It, it's funny, but the core of the show, like, you're, to your point, like, the high school nemesis, that's something that transcends time. And I think that would, that, that rises above some of that. I don't want to call so. that petty, but other stuff, we hope, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah it's a good point, though. I mean, I, I mean I, it's I an artifact of the time, though. I mean, it's, it, it calculates, you know, I always like to say, you know, the last episode of Seinfeld is the, is the cell phone walk and talk bit. That's the final, the finale. They're starting to sort of talk about the etiquette of what it's like with a cell phone, right? So, that ended right. an entire generation of how we lived our lives and encapsulated it all as an artifact amongst itself. Well, well, and then there was like quite, quite famously uh, the way Seinfeld handled uh, being gay. Not that there's Not anything wrong, wrong with, with that. that. Right. <laughs> like, holy cow. Amazing, amazing. They handled, I mean, they handled everything though. We go over this, but we do all this. I mean, they handled everything gay. I mean, you know, the contest episode, I mean, everything oh, yeah. they handled perfectly like on network television it was incredible but, well, listen, but, Net go ahead netflix is dropping 500 million dollars to, uh, to 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 showcase it so it's a big bet that i think they believe in so we'll see we'll see if the younger generation kind of clings to it well i i kind of hope so i, I mean i yeah. hope that we we never really get to the point where we just just you know throw throw something in the garbage because it, it doesn't fit with what we're saying right now. That would be a real shame, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and if, if you think of the art we would have to lose if, if we went through some sort of, you know, Bolshevik, it's got to conform to, to what we're doing right now or we're going to tear it down, that would be horrible. Right. You know? Well, Don, this is uh, this has been a blast, man. From from San Diego to Yale to uh, Mr. Belavacqua's class, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a treat. Uh, 
Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for the trip down memory lane, Don. Uh, I had a great time, guys. Very this nice. Time. Great. We really appreciate it, Don. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Talk to you guys later. All right. Thank Cheers. you.